Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. From London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Standard. Can I just say how glad I am to be at this uh, inquiry and uh, how sorry I am for the the pain and the loss and the suffering sit down. of please, the please stop. COVID stop. victims. Please sit down. Please sit down or I'm afraid you'll have to leave the hearing room. That was the moment. Boris Johnson's apology to COVID victims and their families at the COVID inquiry was interrupted by protesters who had to be escorted from the room. The four women who were removed told reporters that they stood up to hold signs that read the dead can't hear your apologies. It's the first of two days of grilling for the former prime minister over his and his government's handling of the pandemic. At the beginning, Mr Johnson acknowledged that unquestionably his government may have made mistakes. One of the most publicised controversies he's directly involved in is the question of what's happened to the missing 5,000 WhatsApp messages on his phone from between January the 30th to June 2020, something he was apparently unable to explain. Do you know why your phone was missing those 5,000-odd WhatsApps? I don't know the exact reason, but it looks as though it's something to do with the app going down and then... Uh, coming up again, um, but somehow uh, not automatically erasing all the things uh, between that date when when it went down and the moment when it was last backed up. So I, I can't give you the technical explanation, but that's the best I'm able to get. Decisions over lockdowns, social distancing measures and other government rules during the pandemic have been criticised in the years since. And it's hoped the inquiry will help to determine how effective decision making was at number 10 over that period. Joining me now to dissect Mr Johnson's performance is The Standard's health reporter, Daniel Keane. So Dan, Boris Johnson's first day at the COVID inquiry today, all eyes have been on him and his responses. Have there been any revelations from day one? So this is the most hotly anticipated day of evidence in the COVID inquiry so far. We haven't seen anything that we didn't expect. The former prime minister has admitted to the inquiry that he should have twigged how serious the virus was sooner than he did. He said that seeing footage from Italy in February and March 2020 had rattled him. But thus far, he's kind of taken quite a defensive position. So all of these allegations of not chairing COBRA meetings about a toxic culture in number 10, he sought to defend himself against, which I think 
would be unsurprising to people that are familiar with with Mr. Style. But no, we've not had a kind of zinger of a, of a moment or, or a real kind of eye-catching headline yet. And do you think he's been convincing with his answers on day one? I think that he has sought to present his narrative of how he coped with the pandemic. Now, that certainly isn't one that will be shared by the families of the victims who are sitting in the room in the inquiry. And many of us who who struggled through the pandemic and, you know, often criticise the government's inconsistent approach to measures and, and, and all of us who remember that period. I don't think some of his answers have been convincing. For example, I think it's very rich of him to say, well, Italy seems rattled me, when we know that he was not chairing COBRA meetings and not taking the issue as seriously as he could have been. And also there seems to be a lot of confusion about the scientific advice he was receiving and, and whether it was kind of enough to push him into action. A lot of the scientists have basically said that he was disinterested in in the virus in its earlier stages. He'd compared it to swine flu. And he kind of wondered whether a lot of the warnings he was getting was alarmist. So I think that there's a slight contradiction when he says, oh, actually, I was really disturbed by what I saw in Italy. And then what happened, which was you know, him focusing on his other political priorities at the time. And one of the biggest sort of issues that's been raised today is his missing 5,000 WhatsApp messages. What's the full story behind that, Dan? And, and what was his explanation for how they went missing? So this is quite funny, really, and, and slightly typical of anyone who's followed Johnson's career. So yesterday it emerged uh, in, a, in a report in The Times that around 5,000 messages from Boris Johnson's phone were not provided to the COVID inquiry. And these messages are from February to June 2020. So really from the early stages of the pandemic until the end of the first lockdown. And, you know, these are really, really important messages. This was the principal decision maker in, in the country at the time. And while we have seen kind of message extracts from Dominic Cummings, or Sir Patrick Valance or other sort of key advisors. What the inquiry really needs is, is Mr. Johnson's messages. And, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it does seem very convenient that for Mr. Johnson, those messages won't be scrutinized. Now, what he's claimed is that technical experts have actually been trying to recover the messages from his old phone to hand them over to the inquiry, but he's forgotten his passcode. And, you know, previously it had been reported that they'd actually succeeded in helping him get those messages back. But, yeah, there's a lot of confusion here. He is saying that he's not deleted any messages. No one really knows quite what's happened. But the issue of Boris Johnson's phone was something that was widely and, and how secure it was and how easy it was to hack into was something that was quite widely reported while he was in government that he didn't use proper security measures. So. I think we'll need to kind of wait and see on this one, but it does seem slightly strange that this has happened just before he appears in front of the inquiry. And watching clips and footage from the inquiry so far, it's obviously quite a sort of unforgiving questioning. How has he coped with that so far? I think that he will have been through huge amounts of, you know, kind of detailed briefings with barristers, with, with legal advisors. Um, he will have watched, you know, his colleagues, Matt Hancock, Sir Patrick Valance, Chris Whitty go in front of the inquiry already. So he'll be quite familiar with the format. The questioning is, 
yes, you're right, it is tough, but it's important to note that th this is an inquiry, it's not a court, there's no real outcome. So if he can't answer a question properly or he blusters, the only damage it will really do is, is to his reputation. And all, all it will really do at worst is create a negative headline. There's no real outcome here. So I think Johnson's performance in, in front of this tough questioning, you know, it, it will matter to him and his supporters. But, you know, if he performs badly, there won't necessarily be a punishment, which I think is important to keep in mind. Let's take a break now. Coming up in part two. There's a lot to get through here, you know, whether he will be able to shed more light, then uh, we will see. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And are there any other bombshells potentially that we are expecting from his appearance at the COVID inquiry, perhaps on day two? Well, I think the inquiry is going to keep pressing him on these WhatsApp messages and, and that will be interesting. And then I also think that there will be significantly more questioning on September 2020, October 2020, and some of the decision making around COVID. Then there was, you know, as, as many listeners will remember, a lot of chaos at that time. There was a tier system that applied to different different regions of the country based on their infection rates. There was two lockdowns in the space of four months. And I think that was a time when he really came under a lot of pressure. There are also kind of rumours of comments that he made talking about letting the bodies pile high. He will certainly be pressed on that comment, which you know will be seen by many people as an incredibly insensitive thing to say. And yeah, he, he, he will likely be, be pressed further on allegations around eat out to help out and whether scientific advisors were, were adequately briefed on that. And subsequently, 2021 and all of the, you know, the, the, the easing of lockdown, there's a lot to get through here. And, um, you know, whether he will be able to shed more light, then uh, we will see. And as we know, the whole point of this COVID inquiry is to determine how effective decision making was at number 10 over that period. What have health officials since said about the mixed messaging and advice from the government over the pandemic? So I think that health officials have been treading quite a careful line. When we watch people like Professor Chris Whitty, it's important to keep in mind that they're still civil servants. So um, Professor Chris is still the chief medical officer. So saying anything too devastating about Johnson or, or anyone else who was in the cabinet at the time just wouldn't be appropriate. What they have said is that 
the UK was too late into the first lockdown. I think that's kind of seems to be a universally held truth now. The testing system was not fit for purpose in the early stages of the pandemic. And that the decision to discharge people with the virus into care homes was a disaster. So I think that there are certain aspects of the pandemic where we genuinely have kind of reached a conclusion on and and the scientists have helped us to do that in in the inquiry. They've also said that quicker decision making was needed throughout, which is a kind of a uh, a kind of barbed shot at, at Mr. Johnson. And then I think particularly with that autumn period, when we went back into lockdowns in September 2020, there is real kind of concern that that the Prime Minister didn't call a lockdown earlier on as cases were increasing. So I think that scientists have been critical of the government, but they've also sort of stepped back a little and not really gone for the jugular. And overall, Dan, you've obviously watched back the COVID inquiry as it's gone on. How do you think it has gone on the whole? And do you think the public is still interested in its outcome, I guess? I think the inquiry has been interesting. My personal view is that actually the the real learning from COVID will go on behind closed doors in the NHS and social care. And the kind of lessons from the inquiry will will be processed by people that aren't politicians. So... The next time that we have a pandemic, we will have a different set of politicians. We may have a Labour government. You know, the the learning for politics is that Britain's public health system needs, you know, more investment. That's something Professor Chris Whitty stressed, that it was really sort of public health authorities were really stretched and, and underfunded. So we'll need more investment and a better decision making process. Now, I think what we've learned from the inquiry is that we had a group of politicians who were perhaps unsuited to dealing with this kind of crisis. And they picked up lessons along the way. Um, There are things that that did go well, like the vaccine rollout. But um, the inquiry so far has only really produced, you know, salacious gossip and kind of headline-grabbing gossip. And I think at, at a certain point, it will need to move past that into a slightly more kind of cerebral phase where we talk about things like how to roll out testing, the UK's surveillance system for viruses, slightly more technical, boring things that that people might not really be interested in reading about. So I think it's useful that these politicians have been held to account and it's essential and the, the lawyers at the inquiry have done a really good job. But at a certain stage, you know, this will disappear from the headlines and, um, you know, we'll need to learn lessons about other parts of the pandemic that that aren't talked about so much, such as, you know, why ethnic minorities suffered disproportionate deaths, the link between deprivation and COVID infection, and you know, particularly the the, the issue of social care. And I think this this is a key thing that has to be to be dealt with. There's more news, interviews, and analysis in the Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.